Is this the intro to the podcast, oh, by the is, way? This is not going in. <laughs> I figure it's not, but... <laughs> this is my warm-up. This is us warm-up. This, this has uh, cold open energy. <laughs> and now it's time to go to therapy. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Obi-Wan! Traitor! Beyond the Stars is a near-endless frontier. Our order was meant to shine its light in even the darkest corners of the galaxy. There, we found an evil that none of us had trained for, that threatens all we know. Welcome back to Star Wars Therapy, where we talk about Star Wars and and life. life. I'm Alex. And I'm Caleb. And today we are sadly not joined by our uh, buddy Steven. He, like the the others of us, actually, is caught up in the moving game right yeah. now. And just schedules didn't align. So the final combo of uh, pairings for the podcast is today. And that is with myself and Caleb. Yeah, it is It is a weird like subset of the podcast where it's like episodes where there are only two of us mm. and we're, we're finally completing that trilogy. The rule of two. We will, we will become the Sith Lords, <laughs> a master and an apprentice, and we will take over this galaxy. Mm. Who's the master and who's the Or at least just the podcast. Um, I'm fine with being the apprentice. I'm kind of a beta. Oh, see, the problem is... I'm not going to disagree with that either. But <laughs> <laughs> what an alpha move. The problem is, is that I'm too apathetic about the dark side. Like, I think it's like, ah, it's convenient for me. I guess I'll be a Sith, but I don't want to put in the work at being good as Sith. So mm. you can be the apprentice, but I'm going to be a very easy master for you to kill. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even use dark side power. It's just a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> just go to sleep but also it's gonna bite you because i'm the only one of us who has the password to the pod beam oh no (laughs) (laughs) this is the last episode (laughs) (laughs) no it is kind of a weird thing in life where like one person moving back to back to Mm -hmm. back i mean you're you're you and steven are basically lined up you got a little bit of a head start from him but yeah yeah i guess it's that the same thing as like when we graduated and all of our not us, but we had a lot of friends who got married right after graduation. Yeah. But what about the rest of your your life, your livelihood, your life energy? My life energy. How's your life energy doing? Dude, my life energy is uh, chaotic, but also pretty zen. The chaotic part uh, being like everything I've done within the past couple of months with like moving and uh, doing with work and, you know, all the like typical adult stuff that you have to do. The Zen part, though, is I just got back from I went to, on a uh, vacation to England where I hiked 70 miles in six days. Oh, right on, and, governor. Oh, yeah, man. It was a good old walk in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> God no, save but, the king. But it was just like, before that, I felt like I was just stuck in such a rut. Yeah. Like, it was bad. Like, my mental health was, like, way down the drain. But just, like, doing that and coming back, I I just feel renewed. I feel peaceful. And, like, even though, you know, I've come back, all the problems that I was facing before are even, like, kind of amplified. Like, I feel like I'm stronger and I'm, like, I'm in a better place to handle them. Yeah, you're able to get, like, that clarity and that strength. Yeah, from, which is good because like a vacation vacations are great. Love a vacation, but mm-hmm. they can also kind of backfire and tire you out. Yeah. So yeah. and you wanted to travel a lot more this year. I I remember on our first episode of the year you talked about that. Yeah. And this is this and is I'm doing definitely that too, traveling. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've got a few trips planned this year, and uh, it's nice to finally get away, especially yeah. after like you know three years of COVID and whatnot. And yeah, how are you? How you doing, Caleb? You know, uh, super great weekend. Uh, we went to Pride, which was super fun. Pride was great. We played Wii Resort, which was also fun. Um, Way m- yes, it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we also played Guitar Hero World Tour. This was after Pride. Me and Destiny went over to Alex's uh, new digs to check him out and to hang out. And like, whenever you boot up World Tour, it's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nostalgic. It's going to be fun. 
Mm-hmm. We Resort, I wasn't as sure about, but I had a good time playing that. Well, what I loved about it is I just forgot that like We Resort is Wii Sports plus <laughs> like new game modes. Yeah, like I thought that they were like kind of separate ideas. I was very surprised to find that like like we were missing the original Wii Sports. I thought I had it, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And then it just turned out that like. They were all just there. Yeah. And it was great. It was a one-stop shop. It yeah. It was a good time. But yeah, so great weekend, which kind of brought me into the week. And man, work this week, because it's the end of the quarter, oh. was wild. <laughs> um, but that's kind of us kind of updated. But we have a we have a whole t- topic to talk about. We do. And one I have that, no idea how to start this topic. <laughs> it's just, we've had so many weird episodes this year, kind of by default of our life situations. We haven't necessarily been able to have an episode where we could like do research or anything like that. We've kind of mm-hmm. had to have a lot of weird improv topics. Mm-hmm. Also, those are fun for us. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and they always go better than we think they will. <laughs> so. Yes. I look at the numbers more as like, an amusement than an actual thing to judge what we do off of because mm-hmm. ultimately this is an excuse to get like my two buddies in the room talking about star wars because yeah. it's fun and ultimately half the numbers are steven so this is true yes <laughs> um but the dumb episode didn't do well which it shouldn't it's a bad episode but i think that affected the deleted scene episode which i'm kind of bummed about because that was a good episode oh that was a great episode if you're listening to this and you didn't listen to the deleted scene episode go back stop this episode (laughs) go back listen to deleted scenes twice it's probably the best one we've done this year but we're gonna top it yeah we are we're going into then resume this episode yeah yeah because we're going into a era of Star Wars that we have mentioned on the podcast before, but we haven't really had a reason to go in depth on it. But it's becoming more and more relevant. Right now, it's like very niche Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And soon it will be mainstream Star Wars. So we're talking about Star Wars The High Republic. So if you do not know what we're talking about, if you're just kind of a casual casual guy who tunes in and you don't read Star Wars books or comics or keep up with Star Wars news. Hey, I don't. <laughs> yeah, but you... But s- I know enough from a game. <laughs> yeah, and you keep up with the news, so I'm sure you've... I keep up with the news, yeah. yeah. Like, I know what's coming out and whatnot. Star Wars The High Republic is a setting in Star Wars that's set a few hundred years before the prequels. And it is... It's the height of the Jedi... It's the expansion of the Galactic Republic. It's kind of like the Golden Era. Yeah. Or like the idea of the Jedi is like at its greatest fulfillment. Yes. Like peak from like everything leading up to it. And then kind of as it begins to fall is kind of where we catch up in the prequels and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a question kind of implicit to it where it's like, well, if the Jedi are like so great now in Star Wars time, a relatively short amount of time, how do they get to the bureaucracy of the prequels that kind of kind of ruined them, which is an overarching kind of story I think they're telling. But since they announced it, it has mainly been books and comic books. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get everyone with those. No. Um, you might get some people with the books who don't like books, but they like audiobooks because they have done pretty well-produced audiobooks for them. Yeah. But even then, you take Star Wars people who would watch a Star Wars movie. That's wide. Then you shrink that down to people who would watch like an adjacent Star Wars thing. And that gets a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep chopping. And that's when you get to High Republic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird to say a Star Wars thing is niche. Because it's such like a huge franchise that encompasses every single like form of medium. But yeah, once it gets whittled down, it like it's it's so crazy because they have this brand new like era and idea, and it's just not getting consumed as much. Yeah, but it's starting to. Yes, which is nice because it's like I said, mostly books, and we're talking like a lot in each phase, and I think they're on starting the third phase now. I want to say. Oh, they're through two already. I think they're in two. And I think like when the Acolyte and stuff comes out, I think that's supposed to be stuff in phase three. Oh, okay. Um, When does Acolyte come out? Do we know? Disney Plus is like fully like it comes out when it comes out. Yeah. (laughs) There's a date for 2024, but... 
that could always get moved. Yeah. Especially with the writer's strike and everything going on. I'm, I yeah, don't... I'm sure the writer's strike is affecting it. There are only a couple movies or a couple shows in between mm-hmm. that we'll get to. It's like Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, and or season two. And I'm pretty sure all those except for Ahsoka have been affected by the writer's strike. Yeah. Because Ahsoka should already be done, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I mean, it comes out in August, I think. Yeah. All of Hollywood might shut down soon with the actors maybe going on strike. And if oh, it yeah, does, I saw that. That's wild. Honestly, if it does, <laughs> hell yeah. Like, <laughs> I already support the writer's strike. I am here for, like, a true reckoning with the studio systems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Let's go, dude. But within each of these phases of the High Republic... There are books for adults. There are usually like three of those. There are usually like three YA novels. Then there are middle grade books, and there are a couple of those. Then there are books for like little kids. And this is on top of having like three or four comic series. Oh my God. <laughs> all from, and this is what's cool about the comic series. Marvel, of course, owns the rights, and they're the ones who are putting out like Dr. Afra and the Bounty Hunters books. Mm-hmm. And they do like a High Republic book. But for High Republic, they're also working with Viz, who does manga, and Dark Horse, which used to have the Star Wars rights before uh, Disney before, bought. Oh. So huh. they are they're working across companies with this, which I think is very interesting. It's yeah. it's a very un-Disney thing to do with one of their IPs. Mm. What do you think they just kind of like saw the success of like visions and how they uh, worked with different studios and like they kind of just wanted to apply it like that i think it is that same i don't know the timeline and how that would all line up but i do think it is that same creative instinct mm-hmm. and i think because visions is animation and this is comics because that's already kind of a smaller demographic they feel like they could probably get away with it more and of course it's definitely that they're trying like with the first season of visions and then them working with viz they're definitely trying to tap into an asian market mm-hmm. because kind of famously the movies the star wars movies don't do that great in asia which puts them really? in- yeah interesting it's because if i remember my history right it's because it took so long for them to be released in china and so i think they do all right in japan i'm not sure about korea but like they just haven't had the time to build up the fan base over there oh okay and of course just because you do good in one country doesn't mean you'll do good in another but if they are able to like get a foothold in japan like Mm. you know anime and manga go out to the other countries in that part of the world so like it is able to get kind of that foothold they don't yet have yeah and we've talked before about how there is a relationship with japanese storytelling and samurai movies and star wars so it all makes sense yeah yeah and i think there have also been like shorts and stuff i haven't watched any of those so like this like came out in i believe 2020 it may i know it had some covid delays so i think it was pushed a little bit but all this stuff kind of started coming out in 2020 and they've been doing fairly well and there's a real like United Vision here. A lot of good authors mm-hmm. um, have been writing this stuff, good artists and good writers on the comics. But as it's moved forward, we're getting The Acolyte, which is a TV show set in the High Republic. Mm. Isn't one of the new movies they announced, isn't that set in the High Republic? Yeah, uh, I don't remember what it's about, though. Yeah, I think we Although have I don't think they've given much information on it. It's High Republic, then it's like going way back in they're, time yeah they're all over the place yeah, yeah and then like a sequel to the sequels yeah which yeah. is a sentence that does not make sense if <laughs> you don't know star wars <laughs> but there's that and then there's that video game star wars eclipse, eclipse. Yeah, yeah yeah which we talked about that a little bit on an episode but that was like a while ago has there been any news? i don't think there's been any information yeah. on it since then i think because we have more context around the high high republic era we can kind of get an idea but, I mean, we don't know what kind of game it's going to be or anything. Yeah. I'm um, guessing open world, because that seems to be kind of the route that Star Wars games are going. Is it still EA developing? Eclipse is being developed by Quantic Dream, which isn't like a huge studio name, but are they, you might recognize it. Are they Detroit Become Human? Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting. Detroit Become Human, uh, Heavy Rain, and Beyond Two Souls, which... I don't know much about Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, but I think they're, like, stylistically similar to Detroit Become Human, right? Like, they're narrative-based, choice-of-action 
yeah, cinematic so, games. So I played I played a little bit of both, and I did not enjoy either. Um, so I didn't get that far into it. But um, it's very much a do you say this or do you say this? This person will remember this sort of deal. Yeah, um, which those are mechanics I like. I don't know if I'd like a game based around that, though. It also gets into that question around canon with these games, because it's like, how much choice can you really give the player if Mm -hmm. a a definitive narrative has to play out? Which is why I've always been like, if you're doing a game, just let them come up with something. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm fine with a game set in the High Republic, but if treating it as canon limits the storytelling potential especially if that's what they're if this is going to be heavily choice based Mm -hmm. then uh maybe don't like yeah that or you could do like a uh what force unleashed did back in the day where like there very much was a definitive canon ending but like maybe like you you can mix some stuff up along the way and try to get something else just for the fun of it which would be nice that'd be uh that'd be a bit refreshing (laughs) having a having a star wars game again where you could kind of just uh have an outcome that's completely different from what you're used to. Yeah. I think that'd make it interesting. I shouldn't assume this, but just based off of what we saw with uh, Respawn and creating Fallen Order and Survivor, those guys created a game that was, like, they did Titanfall before that. And I think they did some other things too, but, like, FPSs were, like, their bread and butter. And then they just, like, branched out and did something completely different, and it worked really well for them. Yeah. And so I'm kind of hoping that... Quantic Dream gets to do that too. They do make a more engaging game. Yes. <laughs> and not just an on rail cinematic uh, decision maker. Yeah. Yeah. That will probably, if I had to guess, Acolyte will come out first and that'll be like the first mainstream yeah. High Republic thing. And the perspective is going to be a dark side user or at least someone who is antig- antagonistic to the Jedi, which. Good. That's they deserve it. <laughs> well, that's maybe a, not at this specific time period. Yeah, that is the question, though. But it's but like, we support it. I remember I used the the word fracture at one point to talk about how I wanted Star Wars to tackle its stories. Mm-hmm. This feels very much like a fracture in how Star Wars has like presented the Force up until now. We don't know a lot about what this show is going to be, so it's all speculation. But if it really is a show that has like a new way to look at the force that's going to be probably the best disney plus show <laughs> dude i want him to be like the martin luther of uh of the jedi order like go up to the Je- jedi council's throne room and just nail 95 reasons why the jedi suck ass to their wall <laughs> which also brings out something interesting too which you kind of mentioned the jedi aren't as bad in this but there are still problems i imagine there's still some systemic problems that uh (laughs) come from the top down yeah yeah. like there's this very we'll talk about this comic a little bit more in detail but there's a comic that i like that's set on jedda oh interesting yeah the status quo is that the jedi used to be in charge of it yeah and People don't seem to have liked that period of time. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Okay, so so that's interesting because that relates directly to something that's in uh, Jedi Survivor where Cal's uh, Cal's master goes to Jedha, starts unearthing like old Jedi archives to try to like restore the libraries and whatnot. So That's so cool. Okay, I want to read that. (laughs) The plot isn't as interesting as the setting, but the setting is very interesting. Yeah, I just really like the setting, so I'm down for that. What other hints have there been in the games? Now that like I've listened to more videos about the High Republic, I have a much deeper understanding for the broader context, but the game, since it's... uh, placed within the original trilogy timeline or at least between three and four it doesn't really have a whole lot but it does have those kind of connections that like aren't hyper specific to the plot but like still go through where like the jetta the archive on jetta is a pretty like big connection there uh to see what like seer and all her people are doing and then the sort of main antagonist of the game is a uh jedi that was around uh, during the High Republic, that basically was kind of frozen in a Bacta tank for like mm. a few hundred years. And it has to do with this whole like lost planet that uh, 
they had to like get through with a specific hyperspace lane and the whole game is about trying to find this lost planet that uh the or, or not original the jedi during the high republic were trying to find uh mm. back in those days it's a planet called tanalore and then in some of the flashback sequences you see that uh the bad guy he had originally found the planet but one of the shots is of the planet being invaded which I now realize, even though it's not directly said, that was like most likely the Nile trying to like kick him off. I guess we can get into that because like we don't know anything about this movie. It's just going to be a movie. Mm-hmm. The Acolyte, we can know a little bit about, but not a ton. And then we probably won't know anything about Eclipse for a very long time. I'd say probably a couple years before we see a part of it. <laughs> yes. But, but these are going to be the three things that introduce the High Republic to people, mm-hmm. along with, and they're clearly ramping this up if they're putting stuff like into modern media. And I know they, I know in Dr. Aphra, there was like some references to like, she was digging up some stuff from the high Republic. Oh, okay. And so they're just like little Easter eggs, but they're clearly building up. Yeah. So I bet there are going to be a lot of star Wars fans who are coming in and they're like, what is this? And so I just kind of want to give a rundown of like some of the major concepts and stuff. Okay. And then we can have a bit more of a conversation around that. So like high Republic set 250, 300 years in the future. The story kind of best. Yes, in the past. It begins with a book called Light of the Jedi. And the premise of that book is it introduces this thing called the Starlight Beacon, which is supposed to be this massive space station that kind of connects the Republic. Because a big part of the Republic's outreach is that they want to start moving into the outer rim planets and more specifically be able to kind of bring some of the wealth that's in the inner realm out into the outer realm planets. Mm. Uh, At the same time, there's this group of kind of space pirates called the Nihil, who are by far maybe the coolest thing about this. They're such good villains. From what little I know about them, they sound incredible, and I'm really excited to see more media with them. The basic gist is that the Nihil, like I said, they're space pirates, and there are kind of three main fleets, and then in each of those fleets, they kind of keep like going down, and so like there'll be a ship with the same kind of pyramid-shaped power structure and then that ship will be like part of like five ships that are part of like a pyramid and then that ship feeds into like the hole oh interesting there are all these kind of cool pirate rules and all this this is what the nihil is at the start of the story but there's a guy he's a person who's kind of like their navigator named martian Rowe. he basically starts like playing things so he can take over the nihil and the nihil who are they want money like they want money they want loot Mm -hmm. um they want to like invade ships and play their wreck punk and all this stuff he is much more focused on destroying not only the starlight beacon and a lot of these uh, a lot of the expansion but also he has it out for the jedi and it's kind of set up that you're not quite sure and that plays out over the books why he's into it but he's able to utilize this very anarchic I called them anarchists at one point in the podcast, and that wasn't the word I meant to use. I wanted to use the word anarchic. We would like to formally apologize to all the anarchists. Yes. Um, <laughs> but he's able to use these very anarchic uh, people to his own ends. So you still get like the fun of, here come a bunch of like wildly different pirates. Like One Nihil ship can be completely different from the other. So you mm. can have like completely different tactics used, completely different types of characters, completely different types of aliens. But you also are able to get this maniacal force who is smart enough to go against the Jedi. Because that's the thing. Okay, that's that's what I was going to ask. So like they do operate well as a force. Because I, I imagine when it's split up like that it sounds like there wouldn't be a whole lot of like consistency and maybe like the skill level or the dedication to it well that's kind of the fun thing about it is like martian wrote especially in light of the jedi he's more fighting the nihil than he is the jedi in that because he's like <laughs> okay that was my second yeah. question is how do how do they work as his uh army <laughs> he's he's playing them off each other there's like there's a lot of power struggle in between the different fleets in between the different people it's very much like he gives one informa- piece of information to this person and then they do that but it turns out that that is gonna get him killed by this other person which is exactly what martian wanted so oh, like interesting it's very in line with like some of the power play stuff you see in like game of thrones and mm. stuff i was gonna say that sounds like a thrawn thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. like he kind of falls in line with like thrawn or palpatine with like the kind of guy who can sit back and get other people to do the dirty work for him gotcha. um, at the beginning of the story 
their biggest asset is that no one knows who they are because they don't leave survivors. They usually like attack ships that they know they can take. And it's Martian escalating that gets the attention of the Jedi, which is not good for the rest of the Nihil, but is exactly what he wants, which is this fun little tension. Okay. And I just think it's cool because it's like, this isn't dark side. Like this is, this is something completely outside of it. There are no Sith so far in the High Republic. Yeah, from what I understand in one of the lore videos that the Sith had been kind of dealt with by this point for like a few hundred years. Yeah. So like they'd kind of like gotten soft to it. Yeah. And the what I love about the Jedi is because they are now in this peacetime, there are some who are really good warriors and stuff, mm. but there are also those who like, what is their connection to the Force? It can be anything. It can be any discipline. It can be any um, occupation. But because like they don't have to basically be like the hit squad for the Republic, mm. you can see a lot of different variations. And there's a part in Light of the Jedi that I really like where there's kind of this outpost out on the Outer Rim. The Nihil come down and they're going to kidnap these farmers and hold them hostage. And so you see this group of Jedi, they hear the distress call and then they go after them. One of the Jedi there is a super old guy who's really good with the Force, but he just wants to retire and cook. Like, that's his thing. Oh, I've heard about this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's how he's connecting to the Force right now. But you get this scene when they go after where you're like, but oh, wait. He can wreck shop if he really wants to. <laughs> he doesn't, but he could. <laughs> wait, so what? Wait, so he proves it and he just... Yeah, yeah, because they, they go after the Nihil and, and like... Oh, in that but scene, so he does join them then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, gotcha. You're able to, like, and he's pissed. I thought you meant, <laughs> I thought you meant like, he proves that he can and then he just doesn't join them. <laughs> no, no, no. He goes, oh, okay. he, he goes after the Nihil and, like, is very effective... And going against them. But it's that thing where it's like, oh, yeah, being a Jedi doesn't have to be being a Jedi Knight or being a Jedi, like, yeah. you know, training a Padawan. And there's this thing, and I'm not sure if this is unique to the High Republic, but it's where I encountered it. The idea of, like, Wayfinders, which are basically gray Jedis. But they're people who are like, I still am fine with Jediism, but I mm. don't like the structure of it. Yeah. And there's, there's a fair amount of, like at least in the books I've read, a fair amount of like respect for that position from other Jedi. Yeah. You still get Jedis who aren't cool with the structure in the prequels, but you don't get that respect necessarily. Dude, that's so cool. That's that's uh, something I've been wanting to see in Star Wars for a really long time. Because so far we've only had like the portrayal of extremely like dogmatic practicing Jedi and like the aftermath of those people being wiped out. I like the idea of seeing kind of the real world parallel of like that middle ground, ground where like after a religion starts building, you see the individuality with it mm -hmm. before it ultimately becomes kind of regress back into like a uh, kind of single minded view of things. I think part of why they're able to do that is because, because it's set so far in the future, mm. there's like Yoda's there, but that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and like they I guess they've retroactively added this guy from the games in there I'm sure there's some other long-lived characters who pop up but for the most part these are all original characters because if you set something in the prequels or the sequel era or whatever you're gonna kind of just kind of be sitting around waiting for it's like well when does this person show up yeah or it's like they're fighting that but but this guy's at the same time so why isn't he here? Yeah. <laughs> well, if Ahsoka's been alive this whole time, where was she during, like, the originals? She was doing other stuff. <laughs> yeah, you can come up with a story for that, but that kind of has to become what your story is. Yeah, yeah. This is pure... Pure creative juices flowing. Yeah. Get to do what you want, which is good. Star Wars has needed that for so long. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. I wonder if they'll be able to keep that up, though, as it moves into, like, movies and stuff. I mean, you can go back before, which is basically exactly what they're doing right now, but, like, where the books are set, it's kind of halfway through the High Republic era already, and so I think if they, like, continue on the timeline, you'll eventually see some overlap. Yeah, because that's the thing, is, like, eventually it's gonna become, like, everything is established, and it's... Yeah. I don't want to say crowded because I think there's still a lot of story potential in any era of Star Wars. It's just it won't have that new sheen to it 
that makes it so exciting now. One more thing I wanted to bring up before we kind of dive into this Jedi comic, which I think this is just such a cool thing. And I don't, I think especially in a video game, this would be so fun. The Dren gear. Tell me about the Dren gear. This is just absolutely wild. So in one of the books, the Jedi roll up to this ship, right? And they're like, there's some dark side energy coming from here. They go on and there's, there are like a couple dark side relics. And they're like, well, these are no good. We should take these away. Turns out those were, those were like sealing a portal to this other planet. On this planet is the Dren gear. The Dren gear are basically a bunch of swamp things. What? They're a bunch of plant monsters <laughs> who like to eat people. And every single one is voiced by Mark Hamill. <laughs> That'd be great. Every last one of them. This is how he returns to Star Wars again. <laughs> They're terrifying. Like plant these huge plant monsters who eat you already scary enough. But the reason they're locked away like this is because they basic they like it's questionable whether like force tricks or anything like that are useful on them because like their brains work completely differently than other creatures in star wars because they're like they're plants <laughs> what if plants were sentient <laughs> yeah basically but also lightsabers don't work on them oh interesting so it's like they're just too tough and even if you cut off one part of a plant the plant still grows like it's still fine mm-hmm. like it's that Swamp Thing thing where it's like, if you're going to destroy Swamp Thing, you have to burn him, like, completely. Yeah. Because <laughs> he roots. Will... Yeah, basically. But it's like, instead of Groot being, like, your fun little companion who, like, you, you bring along on your thing, they want to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> I so hope they're in, in Eclipse. They would be... That so... sounds so fun. They'd be so much fun to fight. They'd definitely be the... The things you run into, like at first, to like find out that uh, oh, they're way over leveled and you can't fight them. I have to come back to later. I want to see those so bad. Yeah, and I, I just I love that. It's like a classic horror thing. Situationally ignorant people come along and they're like, oh, I'm gonna take this, and then that like causes all these problems to emerge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a nice little flower here. I'm gonna pick it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, like... You killed my child! <laughs> I will torture you! <laughs> Once again, go into that, like, fertile ground, a lot of potential here. That's something that you might not get in, Star- in like, another era of Star Wars, but this really does feel very explorative. And they're like, we are- yeah, sure, we can throw in a bunch of plant monsters, why not? Wait, I really want to Google this now, because now I'm picturing them as, uh... Have you watched Mando Season 3? No. Oh, there's a there's kind of a swamp thing looking guy. I don't think it's Oh, nope, that's definitely not him and those are terrifying. <laughs> that is so not what I thought. I was picturing something that like looked like swamp thing, but oh my god. Yeah, I, that is... is like a mega evolved uh Venus flytrap kind of thing. Yeah, I guess it's less swamp thing more like Audrey 2, I guess would be a better way of putting it. But also kind of like with the way in the concept art that like the tendrils come off it, it's kind of like the boar in Princess Monoke with all the black Ooh, like demon yeah. goo. I did just look up Mal- mandalorian plant guy and this fully looks like like there's an old swamp thing tv movie Mm -hmm. it looks on par with that what (laughs) like just as a quick aside about that character i i love him so much because he sticks out he sticks out from everything else that's been in like the show and everything he's so just wacky and goofy he looks absolutely ridiculous and it's so fun (laughs) <laughs> it looks like someone just put on a ghillie suit to go hunt. Like... <laughs> Bravo 6 going dark. <laughs> okay, so one of the image I, I assume this is from the High Republic com- comic. It actually doesn't feature them, but I, it, I assume it's related to the Dren gear. It's this image of what seems to be a hut in a kind of like a big version of one like Yoda's chair uh, with two rancors behind him and they're going to war. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> That's also the other fun thing. And then like, there's this other guy in a tiny little like speeder bike looking thing. And he's just going. <laughs> I wonder. That might be the. I think that's the IDW comic. I think it's Star Wars High Republic Adventures. I haven't read all of it. But I know a plot in that is that Yoda takes him like pupils along. Because so. Bantha is like a new drug, basically, in the High Republic era. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And so that's part of... It it serves two functions. Like, one, it means that injury matters more because there's less of it going around and it's like a newer technology. Mm -hmm. But two, it creates like an interesting, like, 
economic thing where it's like, oh, we're trying to get Bantha out to, we're trying to like basically secure up the manufacturing and distribution lines for that. So um, what kind of like drug is it? Is it a medicine? Or is it like a recreational drug? My understanding of it is it's like a cure-all medicine. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. Kind of like a penicillin, I guess. Do um, they explain how it works? Not any of the stuff I've read. Okay. Um, But I bring it up because there is a... Yoda goes to the huts because the huts have control of like a, a supply line of Bantha. Yeah. And he's trying to like negotiate with them. So that would, might be what that's I from. I would love to see Yoda negotiate with drug lords. That would be great. That sounds there is <laughs> awesome. Oh man, I haven't read this one, but I've heard about it. Where there's a guy who talks. There's a spice runner. He basically is like a distillery bro, but for spice. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, "Here's my recreational uh, marijuana." But <laughs> dude, I got some Karelian Kush. You want some? <laughs> First one's free. <laughs> Before we get into this comic, what are some... Because that's the jumping off point. Like, you know the main things if you understand, like, the Starlight Beacon is, like, this very important, very important location. The Nihil are the main bad guy, but you got these other cool bad guy running around. Mm. There are a bunch of different Jedi who are important. Uh, Loden Gray, Storm, and Avar Chris are, like, the two biggest ones. Okay. But it just... It also depends on where you pick up, because, like, obviously, younger Jedi feature more in, like, the YA books. But is there any place that, like as this expands and as it becomes more mainstream, is there like an area of star Wars that you want to see explored more with it? Hmm. Besides Yoda negotiating with drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. That's more in line with like the silly stuff I want, I guess like given the era and how prominent, like the idea of the Jedi are at this time, I would like to see kind of what the prequel started to do where they kind of, take it to the center of the galaxy for the most part. I don't know. Like, the center of the galaxy is typically, like, more, like... I feel like civilized is not necessarily the right word. It's definitely but wealthier. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of want to see what life for most people looks like at that point. Because we've already gotten so much media about the Outer Rim. Yeah. And yeah. if we're talking about a high point of the Republic, then I think that's kind of where I want to see it. That being said, I don't necessarily know what that means. It makes sense. Because, like, for a story to have conflict, if this is the Golden Age, you have to go out from there. So yeah. you have to go out to the Outer Rim. You have to go out to, like, space pirates and stuff like that. But actually exploring like the everyday life within that system also, there are enough creative writers that you can find an interesting way to introduce like conflict and tension there. Yeah. Even if it's just exploratory, that's fine. You see, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Cause while I was thinking about that, I was, uh, I was reminded of kind of a weird jumping off place, but in mass effect one, you get to go to this place called the Citadel and it's kind of like the center of the galaxy, kind of like a Coruscant type of thing where all the prominent species, space faring species in the galaxy, uh, all kind of like share this community and like central hub for the entire uh, galaxy. You get up to different kind of shenanigans around there where like you can investigate like a murder that happened. You can like dig up like political dirt on someone and like meet all these like interesting people that have various kinds of like pat like degrees and paths where uh you know some of them are more noble some of them are more scoundrelly but they all kind of feed into this like uh high society system yeah and i think kind of taking that idea and playing it out that just sounds really interesting to me i don't know if they do that though but it sounds cool yeah, no, I think I I definitely think there are the seeds where they could do that. Yeah. Very easily. And as with all this stuff, they may have done that in a book I haven't read or yeah. something like very could be very much could be valid. <laughs> like But also it's that thing where it's like I wonder if they'd be willing to adapt some of the books for like a TV show or something. Mhm. Just because like you're going to get people who are never going to read these books. And that's fine. I read a ton of stuff. But Star Wars books have never really appealed to me till now, just because like it seems like an offshoot. It seems like more yeah. of like a reflection of Star Wars than actual Star Wars. I've gotten over that for the High Republic because I like the stuff. Mm. But even then, there are some books I've never like. 
I probably won't read half the YA stuff. I probably won't read any of the middle grade stuff until I have a kid. And that's just because like I have to kind of be picky about what I read because I don't have all that much time. Mm. So seeing that adapted into other mediums or just even taking like characters and stuff and ideas and themes, I hope they do that as they expand. I can see how that might get frustrating and repetitive for people who have like followed everything. Mm. But that is from business perspective, that is such a small portion of the audience yeah like they could reach so much more oh also something about the books i've found and maybe this is because i'm reading the adult oriented books but man they're so much hornier than the movies (laughs) ever get like there's this part in line of the jedi where they're not jedi characters they're just like I don't know, some type of pilot. And it's just, you get in the inner monologue of one of them. And he's like, man, work's been real tough. Can't wait to go on vacation with the wife and be on the beach and drinking. And I'm wearing nothing and she's wearing even less. Hey, it's like, really? it's, That's hilarious. <laughs> it's just like, wow, this is so weirdly human. On top of that, like you get like some of the first gay characters in Star Wars and stuff. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, if your entire like protagonists are based in a, in a cult, where relationships aren't really a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a surprise we haven't gotten a lot of this exploration before, but it is sure fun that we're getting it now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did want to briefly mention one more thing. We've talked a lot about Light of the Jedi and some of the books, but I did want to highlight the comics. Um, and there's this one, High Republic. I think the tagline is Balance of the Force, but like the problem is, is they just keep naming all these comics a High Republic. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Come on, give a different name. Make whatever the subtitle is the name, and then underneath that put High Republic. A High Republic story. Yes. yes. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, yes. Like you can Oh, unironically. <laughs> you can keep the branding, but make it like make it easier to know what you're talking about. Like <laughs> it does make more sense for like books and stuff, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we better be seeing the exact same logo though. <laughs> yes, no, like keep the keep a the high republic story fine. written right under the main title. <laughs> like Star Wars, I've never had a problem with a Star Wars story as a branding thing. Oh, I think it's hilarious. I think it's silly. <laughs> I think it's funnier that it only applies to two movies, too. <laughs> that is super funny. I also think I think it's very funny that like Rogue One was trying to be like the most serious Star Wars ever got, but it did have a very silly subtitle. Like, <laughs> but I can accept that. <laughs> Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Well, it's a Star Wars story, man. Um, <laughs> if you didn't know. <laughs> but speaking of Rogue One, we're going to go back to Jetta. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So High Republic Balance of the Forces is written by Calvin Scott or Cavan Scott, not Calvin, Cavan Scott. Dude, just take the L. <laughs> a. A. Literally. It took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's drawn by uh, Ario Anandito. And it's a story about this one Jedi. His name is Vildar Mac, I think is his name. <laughs> I know I know Mac's his last name. But okay. he uh you know, he's an accomplished Jedi knight or a master, and he goes to Jedi as like this is his next like outpost. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this thing where it's like he could have gone anywhere. Why is he going to this place? City that used to be run by the Jedi. Obviously, a huge cache of kyber crystals. Now not run by the Jedi. The Jedi are not necessarily popular with the locals. The vibe you get is very much that the Jedi were very well-intentioned, but also very, like, demeaning to everyone else. Um, (laughs) Now it's run by a... Real-world parallels! (laughs) Uh, It keeps coming, because now it is this this very famous city with all of these, like, religious, like destinations is Jeddah the vatican city of <laughs> star wars <laughs> it's worse because i think it's the israel because oh no <laughs> there are it's kind the of zionist jedi <laughs> it's kind of being overseen by like four or five different sects of force religions and there's this great back issue in the first issue of this where this one jedi I think it's a Padawan, but like maybe she's like a young knight. She comes in and there is a, I think it's called the cult of balance or like the way of balancer, but it's, it's a, it's a group. The that, way of water. The way of water. Yes. yes. Avatar two, the way of water comes in. And unfortunately, Steven is one of the characters in this scene. Oh and he just no. Starts yelling. It's like the crabs. Um, <laughs> he finally got a gig and it just had to be that. <laughs> But no, it's so it's this it's this representative from this group that used to be dark side users. And so like three or four of these 
light side sex are like ready to just straight up kill them. And then like two of the others are like, but they're good guys now. They just want to bring balance to the force. And then the Jedi comes in and like puts a stop to the fighting. And the person who was trying to like gain entry into the group is like, you know, I've reconsidered. This seems like a bad idea. And like (laughs) she hops out of there. Her costume is also like she's wearing a veil and hood very much in like a kind of a niqab looking thing. I'm not sure if that's intentional, but very much kind of felt like this is the Muslim character and like the light side users aren't allowing her to come in. It felt very much like, you know, Christians or Jews or whatever, not Jews, because a lot of Jews don't support Israel, but like Zionists aren't letting the Muslim person in. So I think it reminded me a lot of like the conflict with Israel and Palestine when I've read the book. And that's why I find this setting so interesting is because you're getting all these different perspectives of the light side. Mm-hmm. Um, the story, they're just, they're going after an artifact and there's a guy and he's like, ah, I think you're a bad guy. Well, I'm not. Oh no, we have to team up. It's not very interesting, mm. but the setting's really cool. Is the artifact uh, something that's like thousands of years old, but they use it to navigate the, the star ruins? Uh, you know, sadly not oh man <laughs> this is a, my favorite kind of artifact is not represented <laughs> this is a light side artifact so it would have to be the equivalent it'd have to be a way of like navigating yoda's hut or something like that <laughs> like something that just hasn't been built yet but has an association with the light side now i'm just <laughs> my adhd brain just pictured yoda's hut with like a restroom sign pointing at the <laughs> <laughs> It, like, lights up and everything. (laughs) But, yeah, so, like, I think there are parallels to real-world stuff, but I don't think, like, I don't think they're trying to be like that. Like, that's not what the story's about. Hmm. It's just you can read into that. Okay. Um, But besides the fact, it gets into everything I like, where it's, like, different ideas of the Force being brought in, like, different methods of the Jedi, the Jedi having to deal with their past sins, with, like, how they ran Jedi and stuff. Mm -hmm. But also, it shows that the High Republic... While it is introducing all this new stuff, it is still very much connected to Star Wars. And like it's able to pull in. It's like, oh, Rogue One, what were they doing there? Jedi? Huh, I wonder what that city looked like hundreds of years before. Mm-hmm. And what did that city look like at the height? Well, it probably wasn't destroyed. Yes, probably so. number one. <laughs> Saw Guerrero probably wasn't in the outskirts with the Bugalit, but... <laughs> It'd be um, great if Bugalit was still there. <laughs> But that's what's fun about this. Well, and baby Bugalit. <laughs> baby Bugalit knows the truth. Lies. <laughs> Deceptions. Deceptions. <laughs> it's like the it's like the Muppet babies. <laughs> baby Sagarera. <laughs> I was picturing the baby squid from uh from finding Nemo. <laughs> oh yeah. He's interrogating someone. He's like, oh, you made me ink. <laughs> But yeah, like High Republic doesn't have to just be this distant thing. It can bring in connections and like flesh it out, but do so in a way where it doesn't feel beholden to what came before, but it's like genuinely complimenting it. And I hope that's the spirit they keep as they expand. In a previous episode, I kind of complained about how they didn't announce a bigger project with it, like a TV show or movie when they announced the High Republic. Mm -hmm. But looking back on it, now that we're getting all that stuff, I think I was just being impatient because like they really have had a lot of freedom with their mediums and what they were able to do and set up Mm -hmm. where if they had done a movie it would have just been bogged down in vertical integration and we have to keep the ip clean and like all the stuff that regular disney does to star wars both of us are not like angry about disney owning star wars i don't think no but there are consequences that come with that yeah yeah i completely get what you're saying because like they disney at least has far as like the movies they've gone have gone so far there's been multiple sources of like directors and writers yeah maybe not even like outright saying it but at least alluding to the idea that like they were kind of cracking down and like on like creativity and kind of like like maybe executives were making some like writing decisions decisions and that kind that very much like affected the way it played out i think you're absolutely right where like this is probably the best way that they could have gone with it because it allows them to just like pre-establish this and branch off of that yeah like i think it i think it would just feel like the prequel prequel (laughs) if they had just gone with a movie first and i would say i hope one of my hopes is that because so many star wars fans online like they love their canon and they love what's pre-established and they seem more willing to accept something if it was in a book or a comic or whatever even if even if they have never read it so hopefully 
when this stuff starts to come out, they're like, well, I normally would get mad at Avar Chris, but she she's pre-established, so that's the lore, and I like lore. Seeing the reaction to the Acolyte, I'm not so sure about that. But, but Caleb, she's still a woman, and that's bad. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> it feels bad, but it is very real. So <laughs> Obviously, the opinions uh, within the bit are not reflective of our actual own, and we are commentating on uh, <laughs> the overzealous opinions that other uh, Star Wars fanboys have shared. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, hopefully... Hopefully that stuff can be kept at bay, but I don't know. The state of the fandom is weird. Yeah. I can't fully comment on it because I try to keep away from it. Yeah, (laughs) I try to as well. But sometimes the joke's right there. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, that's that's kind of me ranting about the High Republic for a little bit. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of cool potential. Honestly, it's probably the best thing to come out of Disney Star Wars because while it does feel like Disney has kept given a lot of freedom that they haven't in some of their other projects, it's still like the funding and the organization behind this wouldn't have happened if Star Wars or if Lucasfilm had just stayed kind of this lingering ip yeah which is like the tension being with me right now it's because i'm like i don't like everything that we're getting with star wars but is it good that we're getting it is the for the most part yeah yeah but it's like is the andor worth the rise of rise of skywalker (laughs) like that's the tension (laughs) at the end of the day i think so because while it can often feel like Star Wars is an incredibly oversaturated IP, and I, I don't disagree with anyone who feels that way, I think the reality is is there will always be Star Wars that you like, and there will always be Star Wars that you don't like. And so, yeah, you do kind of get the rise of Skywalker in the Andor. But, like, I think that just makes you like Andor even more. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you appreciate it for what it is. This is true. But also, you know, if you're that, if you're that person who really loves Rise of Skywalker and doesn't like Andor... Bully for you. Yeah. Yeah. And as we have said many times, if you like Rise of Skywalker, I'm genuinely curious about your perspective. Not in a way where I like I want to debate you or anything. It's just that that's not a perspective I've heard, and I'd like to hear it. Yeah. So you can email us at Star Wars Therapy Podcast at gmail.com. Again, there will be a whole generation <laughs> in like five to ten years that we will start hearing it. Yes, and I cannot wait because Indiana Jones 5 is coming out the weekend we're recording this. For the longest time, I said that I was not going to go see it because I did not see a purpose for it. And I like to keep rubbing this in your face. And for the longest time, every time you said that, I told you, yes, you're going to go see it. Yes, and me and my dad have plans to go see it Sunday. There you go. (laughs) Opinions change over time, and that's fine, and that's healthy. My problem was I was taking Indiana Jones way too seriously. And I think a lot of people's problems with the prequels where they are taking Star Wars a little bit too seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will fully admit it. While Rise of Skywalker doesn't make me angry, and I bring it up as like the easy target on here because it is the easy target, I probably, when I watch that, am taking Star Wars a little bit too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, they're all just space wizards. Yeah, they're space wizards, <laughs> and now there are plant monsters that want to eat you. <laughs> Which I love, by the way. Look, I'm so happy looking that up. <laughs> <laughs> they're so fun <laughs> um and and that's star wars baby that's star wars alex where can the good people find you the good people the lord's people can find me at instagram and twitter at underscore alex bryson and on uh twitch.tv slash st3phe underscore do not forget the underscore the underscore is important but caleb where can they find you they i'd like can- to know well, let me tell you, they can find me at Caleb from the Real World on Instagram and YouTube. Oh, I am in the middle of a uh, series on my YouTube channel right now where I talk about music, and that's uh, mostly inspired by conversations that I had with Stephen and Alex off mic. So if you wanna, if you wanna head over there and watch some of those, you can do that. But also, I have other podcasts. I have uh, Hot Trash Unlimited, The Snub Club, and All New Fifty Two, and we are down a co-host. But we will pour one out for Steven. You can find him at Steven Weeben on Instagram. And it's spelled exactly like it sounds. I'm pretty sure that's what he says Here, at I'll, the end of each That's of what he used to say. He used to say uh, it's ex- it's spelled exactly like how you think. But I, <laughs> I think he started changing it. Uh, S-T-E-E-B-E-N-W-E-E-B-E-N. Steven Weeben. Um, yeah. I feel bad because he absolutely nailed my intro on the episode <laughs> or my outro. <laughs> 
Um, he it, did. <laughs> he was like fire, that with man. You and your litany of other podcasts. He'll be back with us next month, but be sure to, if you have opinions on anything we talked about today, reach out to any of us on our socials, or you can, of course, email us, like I said, at Star Wars Therapy Podcast gmail.com please give us uh give us a rate scene on your podcasting app so more people can join in on the fun and we will see you next time when we talk about star wars and And life. life